Hey, are you sick and tired of paying exuberant prices on your medical marijuana edible products out of a, maybe a dispensary? I have a solution for you. A suggestion, uh, if you will. Go to OregonBaba.com and check out their array of candy molds and candy mixers, allowing you to make your own edibles in the comfort of your own home with your own uh, hash oil whatever it is you use, make sure it's legal in your state. Of course, you don't want to get in trouble with JQ law enforcement. Is it JQ? John Q? One of those names. Uh, at any rate, it's OregonBaba.com. That's B-A-B-A, if you don't know how to spell Baba. I assume you know how to spell Oregon. We're also brought to you by Wist Inc. Creative. Uh, Wist Inc. Creative should be your go-to place for graphic, I can't talk, I'm sorry, graphic design and creative branding. Maybe you got a business, you need a logo. Maybe you got some font you need to, to whip up to, to convey that message uh, you need to get across. At any rate, uh, here's one thing they specialize in. They can customize cornhole boards and also cornhole uh, bean bags. Um, you know the game with the hole in the board and the bean bags. Um, I could try to describe them to you, but it would not do them justice. Uh, pretty sweet, pretty awesome, and it gets your word out, whether you're a business or uh, trying to be a business. Whatever it is, find Wissink Creative on Instagram or email stanwissink at gmail.com. That's S-T-A-N-W-I-S-S-I-N-K at gmail.com. On to the pod. Excuse me. Welcome to uh, the Hey Okay Ha Happy Hour, episode 81. How the hell are you doing? Um, have you had a wake me up when September ends? Well, September's over. Are you awake? Wake up. Hey, buddy, wake up. Wake up. We got it. We got to get our shots now. Um, yeah, man, October. What the fuck? This is the third, no, this is the fourth quarter, the last quarter of the fiscal year, right? Last, and it's the last quarter of the first, or is it the second year of the decade? What I'm trying to say is we are balls deep into the 20s now, and it's usually around this point, you know, late, late in the, in the, in the first year, early in the second year, where we start to get a sense of what the decade, uh, what the vibe is, you know? Like in the 90s, it wasn't really until 1992 that we had a sense of what the 90s were going to be or what they were. You know, 1990 was still basically the 80s, right? Everybody wearing acid wash jeans with their bowl haircuts and their fucking neon pink and neon... Um, I don't know, blue sportswear. What am I grasping at straws here? I was a child. I wasn't exactly, uh, I didn't exactly have my thumb on the pulse of, of the current fashions. What I'm trying to say is, what do you think this decade is going to be all about? Uh, so far, uh, smart money is on pandemic. 
I think that's so far been the narrative of this decade. Um, real observant take, I know, but so far, but let's backtrack. Let's say the, the aughts, as they call them, right? 2000 to 2010, I would characterize, of course, 9-11 shaped that period. But as far as the general vibe, uh, culturally, technologically, I would say it was we were thrust into the internet uh, age. We were all connected. We had uh, social media, to be sure. But this was something that existed outside of reality. Like reality was reality. And then if you wanted to go into cyberspace, as we called it, you would sit at a computer in your house and you would do your, I don't know, MySpace, chat on MSN, uh, download some music from BearShare or Kaza or Napster way back in the day, right? But it was a it was a place in your in your house or your home or your dorm room that you went to to interface with the cyber reality. And then when that was done, you went and you uh, traversed actual reality in your in your day-to-day life, right? It was it was separate, but those lines began to blur in 2007 technically with the advent of the iPhone, but of course the iPhone didn't wasn't like everybody had a damn iPhone. Uh, by 2008, even it was, took a few years, right? Other companies caught up, and then 2010 saw the introduction of the iPad, which for once I was an early adopter. Usually I'm like late to the party by at least three years, uh, but for whatever reason, um, in the summer of 2010, I believe it was June, I bought a iPad, and I had never seen an iPhone before. Uh, in in my face, in my face, uh, in person, you know? And so the iPad blew my mind. You could touch a screen and move it around. What the fuck? I remember pulling up Google Earth and making the Earth three-dimensional, right? Zooming out and I could spin the goddamn Earth on my fingertips and then zoom in into my childhood home in any given town at any given place I so wanted. It was was fantastic. It was literally having the world in your hands. He's got the whole goddamn world in his fucking hands, right? And most people, people who had already had the iPhone or at least exposed to the iPhone, looked at me like I was some kind of some kind of rube who had stumbled upon uh, civilization. Look at this, this iPad. I was just mesmerized. I remember going to a St. Paul Saints game. You might know the St. Paul Saints. It's a minor league baseball team based in St. Paul, Minnesota, part uh, partially owned by a one Bill Murray. Yes, the actual Bill Murray, not some guy who happened to be named William Murray. The Bill Murray. Um, my girlfriend at the time was in a, doing an event at the this game uh, had to do something with Toyota some market it doesn't really matter the point is i was at the game um just to be at the game and i had an ipad and i'm in the stands i don't give a fuck about minor league baseball or really any baseball for that matter and i had a data plan on this ipad which meant i could peruse the internet from the comfort of my bleacher stands i could ba- basically what's the word 
what did we surf the internet. So that I did. I had my little little leather case, and I opened up my iPad, and there I was on my screen, ignoring the game. And it was at this point, I think it was around the fourth inning, that the St. Paul Saints mascot, uh, I cannot remember what the mascot was. I do not remember what animal it was trying to look like. Uh, in my head, it was a basically a, uh, uh, a mascot with a giant baseball head. I don't think that's factual. I think it's just a, a memory that I have. It doesn't matter what the mascot looked like. But the mascot came up to me and started making a big, you know, mascot's got to play the crowd, right? Whether it's, you know, stealing a kid's nose or maybe, I don't know, giving a rival sports fan a hard time. You know how they do. Well, this mascot decided he was going to make me the target. And I deserved it, right? I deserved it. I was the guy not paying attention to anything on a goddamn screen. And that mascot was was like taking the iPad from me and then the giving it back and then, you know, gesturing to me. I, the point was he was clowning me. He was basically saying in his miming way to the rest of the crowd, look at this dumbass looking at his screen, not paying attention to the game. Ho, ho, ho. Let's all have a laugh at this douchebag. And I deserved it. But what really strikes me and why I remember this moment uh, 12 years, 10 years, 11 years later is that I was displaying behavior that would, in the years to come, become cliche and, uh, dare I say, accepted. And that is people enraptured in their phones, in their screens, ignoring everything around them. And I'm pretty sure that now, in 2021, if I were to whip out an iPad or a smartphone of any kind or a tablet and surf the internet at a baseball game, a minor league baseball game, I don't think a mascot or anybody would see fit to call me out for my outlandish behavior. We've just come to accept it. Shame on me. Shame on us. So as much as I shit on people for losing themselves in glowing screens, I gotta, I gotta take stock and admit to you and to myself, I think I started it. I think this all might be my fault. Um, so my bad, my bad. Maybe, what was my point? Oh, the decades. So that ushered in the tens. And so the tens, last 10 years, that internet cyber reality that we used to have anchored in our, in our houses, on our homes, now went with us. It's mobile. And because it's mobile, we never really get out of the cybernet. We are always in it. We check our beep, beep. Oh, let me check my uh, Facebook, Instagram, and... Yeah, really hot take. Have you noticed people are losing themselves to technology? Okay. But what is in store for the 20s? Can it get more mobile? Will we see a cultural backlash? Some kind of revival. What do they call it? A archaic revival, perhaps. Let's get back to the earth, man. Let's sit around a campfire and throw our fucking phones in it and converse in reality oh sweet sweet reality uh 
Is it because reality has become so uh, oppressive and disappointing and depressing that we eschew it? Is that what's part of the 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 draw of the of the glowing screens? And I don't think reality is is actually that bad, but it sure seems that way, right? Every news. Hey, look at this. This is really bad. Are you happy? You should be ashamed of yourself because over here, things are happening that are not good. And so we flee from reality and we we uh, burrow a hole deeper into the cyber world, which is becoming increasingly controlled uh, and managed every, every day. Um what's the 20s going to be about? That's what I, That's my rhetorical question to you. What the fuck is this decade going to be all about? Uh, I'll tell you what it's not going to be about. Yellow cabs. I think yellow taxi cabs are going the way of the dodo. Uh, did you see this um, in New York City? You know, Uber. Yeah, we all know Uber, fucking Lyft. Yeah, cabs. Um they are obsolete, yada, yada. In New York City, you know New York City, right? All the yellow cabs everywhere. Used to be, you didn't call or, or line up an Uber on your phone. You just stepped one step into the curb, into the road, put out a hand, hey, and some yellow cab would stop, pick you up, and charge you $35 to go three blocks. Remember those, Remember those days? Dig this. Um, so New York taxi drivers had to get a certificate. They had to get permission from the government to give people rides, right? Unlike Uber and, and Lyft, you know, you can basically just say, yeah, yeah, sign up. And once the you pass a background check, boom, get out there and fucking do some ride sharing. Well, back before the pre-Uber days, you had to pay a pretty penny for the certificate, for the right to work. As a taxi cab driver, and you might say to yourself, "Well, that's that seems reasonable, right? We gotta maybe you should take a test, make sure you're a good driver, make sure you know what the fuck you're doing." Okay, that, okay, fair enough. But what this certificate was, it was just a giant. Uh, you just had to pay to play. Um, they called it a medallion, you know, because it sounds a little fancier. A license doesn't sound as. Uh, sexy as a medallion hey where's your medallion and they only made so many of these medallions right classic government overreach right where they try to regulate an industry um, by i don't know controlling the numbers of people that can even enter the industry and charging them a pretty penny dig this so this is from the guardian uh today a taxi medallion is the physical certificate required to operate a yellow cab. Once seen as a valuable asset that secured a comfortable retirement, the medallion's worth has plummeted, leaving thousands of drivers who purchased a medallion in hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and financially ruined. This shit is f fucking crazy. I didn't know. I, I knew about the medallions, but I did not know this. Dig this. In 2014, the value of one medallion, just one medallion, had risen to $1 million. When those who wanted to finance a medallion were also at the mercy of predatory lenders. 
Today, the value of medallion is about $100,000. What the fuck? I try to wrap my head around it. It can't be real. So you're telling me in 2014, if you were a guy that wanted to be a taxi driver, you had to come up with a million dollars for the right to work as a taxi driver. How many hours do you got to work to pay that fucking thing off? And it's not like the million dollars is like administrative fees. It's not like it costs that much for the state or the city to produce their certificate. No, it's just a fucking cash grab. It's supply and demand. Once you have the government having the power to decide who and how many people can work in a given industry, and there's going to be a artificial scarcity, then it drives up the price. We see this with liquor licenses, right? Although you can make an argument. I, th I think you can make a better argument to justify liquor licenses than you can taxi certificates, but that's a separate argument, but it's the same principle, right? There's only so many of these licenses out there. This drives up the value because there's only so many. And then you're left in a position where you're, you're paying a million dollars just to work. And people make fun of college students for taking on $200,000 in debt for a fucking bachelor's degree, a million dollars to make how many dollars an hour? How does this even make any fucking sense? And so then Uber and Lyft come about, and obviously, what the fuck is the point of a medallion all of a sudden? Just go work with Uber and Lyft. Save yourself a million dollars and just start making money right away, right? And so now the medallions have plummeted in value, but they're still worth $100,000 allegedly. So if you want to be a, a yellow cab, even today, you have to pay $100,000 for the right. The fuck? How is that? I mean, if this were happening in another country, we'd be like, can you, be can you believe this? Did you know in Russia you have to pay a million dollars to the government just to fucking sell knickknacks on a sidewalk? We'd be like, oh my God, what an authoritarian hellscape. Here, it's happening in New York City. So anyway, all these guys who, who took out these loans million-dollar loans to be taxi drivers are now fucked because they can't sell their medallion for what they paid for. And so, and so like, they're $800,000 in debt for something that's not worth any fucking thing. It's a permission slip from a government. And what the fuck is a government? It's just some guys in an office making up shit. And so these poor bastards are fucked. Now, this opens up the criticism of Uber and Lyft say, well, you you bad companies, you come in and undercut these poor guys who invested. Uh, no, 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 the problem isn't that Uber and Lyft are coming in. The problem is that these poor bastards were fleeced by $1 million to begin with. That should never have been a requirement in a free and fair country. You would not charge people that much money to fucking work, to provide a service. You wouldn't do that. So that's... But once you do that, once the government in any industry meddles to that degree, once they get involved to that degree, it, you're going to see market inefficiencies just like this, and people are fucked. Now, at some at some point, you gotta you gotta have some personal responsibility. Like who the fuck who the fuck is dumb enough to pay? Forget a million dollars. Who's dumb enough to pay ten thousand dollars to drive a cab? You know. No disrespect. No disrespect to the cab drivers out there. But what the fuck were you thinking? Just sell drugs. <laughs> what the fuck are you going to pay? 
What the fuck are you doing? That one, no wonder gypsy cabs were such a popular thing. You're 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 avoiding a lot of overhead by just ah. Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, you guys probably don't want to hear about taxi cabs all all fucking day, do you? It is interesting though. Just another case study in uh, just unintended consequences of government action, or sometimes intended consequences of uh, government. Meddling, man. I would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling bureaucrats. Oh. Oh. What else? Let me pause and take a drink here. I'm not literally pausing it. You know what I mean? Oh. I'm drinking vino today. I, I know. I know. It's the daytime. Right? But it's Sunday. God knows you Catholics are drinking wine. As I speak... In your mass. Remember mass? For all you non-Catholics. That's what we call church service. Where they give you the bread wafer. It says the magic words and it turns the cornbread, the corn wafer into uh, flesh. <clears throat> Meat. Human. Human remains. It, uh, not symbolically. No, no. Get out of here, you filthy Protestant. You think this is mere symbolism? No, they call it, I can't ever say the word. I don't remember the word. But it starts with trans. Transmorfiguration, you know. It's nothing like that. It's one of those trans words. You know something's full of shit when they start talking about transcending, you know. Things that you can't measure with your scientific equipment, but it's, you know. You know what I mean? It's like... Oh, this corn wafer is literally Jesus' flesh? Well, can I take it as a sample? Put it under a microscope? We'll look at some of the skin cells there. Maybe some of the, the nuclei and the muscle tissue to verify that it's literally, as you say, the flesh of a guy that died 2,000 years ago. Oh, no, I can't have the sample. Oh, it's not literal. Oh, oh, you're completely full of shit. You're just making things up. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. <clears throat> Yep, yep, yep. That's what we called it. Mass, right? You'd go and you'd eat the wafer, and then you'd go to the next lady or a guy standing on the corner, and he would have a uh, uh, thing of wine and a white napkin or a, like a white dinnerware. You know, you go to a restaurant, they wrap the silverware in some white linen. That you put on your lap as a napkin because you want to be fancy. One of those things, right? And you drink from the, the chalice. I think they call it a chalice. Right? And then you do a little sign of the cross and move on. Let that wine hit your, your empty stomach. Because it's Sunday morning. You didn't wake up early enough to eat breakfast. Right? You were too busy drinking last night. You're going to get every minute of sleep you can before you amble off to church smelling like alcohol but then you get a little hair of the dog there you get that little nip of that wine chalice that wine that cheap wine hits your stomach boom instant heartburn stomach warm whatever you want to call it and then what's the guy or gal do that just served you the wine he takes the white napkin and he wipes off where your lips were next bloop, bloop, next bloop, bloop. nobody was wearing masks we didn't give a fuck about our own glassware, our own cups. We just drank out of the same 
fucking chalice. Right? Even children. Hey, did you get your fucking confirmation? Oh, your first communion, they call it. First communion. Then you can start eating the fucking corn wafers. I tell you what. I first learned about wine pairing through being a good Catholic, right? Because you get that corn wafer, you're like, this is kind of dry. I could use something to drink. You take a little sip of that wine, that little red wine there. I believe it's red. And I tell you what, that that sweetness mixed with that waferness goes together. You know what I'm talking about. That's what, the only thing that's kept the Catholic numbers somewhat respectable through all this pedophilia shit is the fact that they don't, you know, they fly through the church service, right? They fly through that shit. It's like efficient. It is workmanlike. There's not a lot of frill, you know. I'll sing a few songs here and there, but generally speaking, you're in and out in 50 minutes, right? You're sitting down at 9 o'clock, and you're waving goodbye to your fellow uh, parishioners. Is that what they are? You're, you're saying goodbye to them uh, by 9.50, right? And you're watching football by 10 a.m., depending on your time zone, right? So that, that keeps people in the seats because they know they're going to you know, have to give too much time away. And uh, that and also the, the free corn wafers and the, and the free nip of wine, that'll keep them coming. Oftentimes you get coffee and donuts after a mass, right? Keep the fatties happy. Give them their little sugar fix. You know, let the introverts sip a few sips of coffee so they can actually hold a conversation without pissing themselves. You know, and then every once in a while, Catholic, we would have a, a, a hog roast every fall. And a keg of beer. Everybody just comes, shows up. Let's eat some fucking hog. Hog roast. We'll drink some fucking beer. Get drunk. Why the fuck not? Jesus turned water to wine. Didn't seem to be against it. Why Why the fuck are we not going to indulge in the wine? What are we, crazy? That's how. I mean, the Catholics know what they're doing. They're good marketers. You got to know your clientele. You, know? you can't tell a bunch of Irishmen and Italians, hey, uh, no drinking. You know? <laughs> right go to mexico yeah hey guys uh no cervezas for you it's against the religion every catholic france another catholic country go tell france hey hey guys no more wine there with your lunch you can't do that so the roman catholic church the vatican imperialists being being uh, experienced in the art of assimilation as they are they know how to they're gonna the southern Germans in Bavaria, they're Catholics. You're not going to tell fucking Bavaria. It's Oktoberfest, by the way. you got to tell these fuckers not to drink. But you Protestant fucks, you wasps, you white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, my people come from the Mayflower. I'm British. You know, all you people, you can fucking sell them on not drinking. You know, they'll, they'll fake it. Oh, oh, of course not. No drinks for me. Right? And then they hop the border, go to the next village and tie a few on at the pub all these these calvinist dutchmen oh yeah 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 i just want to go farm i'm just gonna go farm make some money and make my property look organized wait, wait, wait. I, right no drinks for me it will get in the way of my relationship with wealth and god but i repeat myself right the dutch calvinists you all know the dutch calvinists shout out to the south africans for uh, you know kicking their ass no hard feelings 
Dutch Calvinists, you know, you believe in predestination. I guess you were predestined to get your asses kicked uh, out of South Africa, right? I'm sorry. It was it was predetermined. But you fuckers, right? You you can sell those. I don't know what it is. I think they have small souls. Yeah, if they have souls, that would be going too far to say that the Brits and the Wasps literally don't have souls. That would be crazy outlandish. But I think they have smaller souls. You know what I'm saying? Like their souls can be easier uh, influenced in like... Many, Irishmen have bigger souls, right? That's why the English have always resented the Irishmen, right? They've always shat on the Irish, exploited the... Because the Irish know how to have a good time without, uh, you know... Without all these these layers of cultural, social, socioeconomic bullshit. Like, so much of the English way, it's just about... Ah! It's, it's, it's ineffable. It's... Uh, what am I trying to say as I drink wine? What a, what a fucking cliche, swarthy Catholic. I'm like a a, cart, a propaganda cartoon that a wasp in London circa 1840 would uh, propagate, you know, regard. Look at this fucking swarthy wine guzzling. Probably smells like garlic. He probably just got done eating fish. All of this is true, right? He probably doesn't even really believe in the Catholic religion. He's just in it for the booze. Um, that is Catholics, man. Italy, France, Ireland, Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, all these fucking Hispanic <laughs> Germany. These fuckers drink. That's a, that's a, that's what makes a Catholic. You got to fucking drink. Um, why is that? I don't know. I guess you got to do something, you know, when you realize uh, that the religion you were brought up in is uh, nothing more than a child raping, real estate swindling cabal. You know, you got you got to do something to take the edge off. Oh boy, did you read the news? <laughs> did you see the latest list of priests? Oh boy. Oh, and and Poland. You know, how can I? How can you leave out Poland when you're talking about? Heavy drinking Catholic folk. Polacks can drink, son. Um, Poland. Uh, Spain. How can I leave out Spain? Portugal. Dominican Republic. Haiti. Puerto Rico. You get the idea. About the only drinking champion that's not Catholic on the world stage would have to be Russia. But they're not Protestant either. See, they're Eastern Orthodox, which is... Basically, it's basically Catholicism. It's like the Byzantine Empire's version of the Roman. You know, Rome had what we call Catholicism. Byzantine had what we now call um, Eastern Orthodoxy. Is that right? Am I getting my empires mixed around? You get the general idea, though. My point is Catholics are alcoholics and Protestants are lightweights. And maybe I'm just bitter. You know, part of this is just... Years and years of hearing the term Protestant work ethic. You know, I remember learning that in high school, like high school, maybe psychology class. You know, Weber, Max Weber, some guy. He's like, hey, there's this thing called the Protestant work ethic that you as students are going to have to memorize for your test. It's a, the Protestant work ethic. It's like, 
even as a 17 year old, I thought to myself, well, this sounds like bullshit. The Protestant work ethic. What is that supposed to imply? Catholics are lazy. I don't know if you've looked around, uh, but the only people working right now are Catholics. Polish people don't fucking work. Polish people steal British people's jobs. Poland, like if you're in Poland and you can't find a job, you get the fuck out of there. You go to Britain. You start, oh, you come to America, you fucking work. If you're in Mexico, you're a Catholic, you don't find a job in, in your hometown, you get the fuck to America and you fucking work, right? You undercut Americans' labor. It sucks for them, but you just got you got to do what's what's right for you as a hardworking Catholic motherfucker. The Protestants own all the land. The Protestants own the means of production, if you will, if you're a, if you're a filthy commie, right? It's the Protestants that are the landed gentry if you look at the working class, they're almost invariably Catholic or Muslim. If you go to a shopkeeper on the East Coast, whoever's picking up your garbage, picking your fruit, taking care of your kids, they're fucking Catholics, nine times out of ten. Protestant work ethic? Get the fuck out of here. Here's what Protestants do. They go to other countries, colonize them, and force other people to do the work for them. Oh yeah, that Protestant work ethic that extracted diamonds out of Zimbabwe. That good old-fashioned Protestant elbow grease. I guess it does take a lot of energy to hack off limbs with a machete. It's fair enough. I mean, it does. You know, it does take. It does burn some calories to uh, draw a whip. You know, you gotta burn a few calories. Have you gone to the gym? You know, have those ropes. You know, those ropes that you. You wiggle in a wave fashion, right? If you can do 30 seconds, you're doing pretty good. If you can do a minute, you're in hella good shape. That's pretty much like a whip. So I guess you got to give the devil his due, those Protestants. Excuse me, weren't y'all behind the fucking transatlantic slave trade? If, if my history is correct, now the Vatican turned a blind eye, fair enough. But the Catholic people themselves were not involved in this shit whatsoever. This was a wasp thing. You hard-working Protestant people. You royal family, blue-blooded, just sweating in the sun. You Protestant. That's what I think of when I think of a, of a Protestant. I think of a, a well-muscled, tanned man wiping the sweat off his eyebrow as he peers into the sunset. Yeah, a good old Protestant work ethic get the fuck out of here the fuck out of here the more i think about it the more ridiculous it is protestants could be the laziest people in the world if you take in in, in history into account and if you go back let's go back 800 years last 800 years you gotta you gotta admit protestants pretty fucking lazy um i mean we we got i mean not not, not that they're you know you They've done some things, right? The Protestants, they've done some things. Let's give the Industrial Revolution some credit here, right? I mean, there are things we take for granted. Creature comforts, luxury items right now that you and I take for granted that were made possible by the Industrial Revolution, which started, I guess, in Britain and shortly thereafter in America. But the, the rapid expansion in, in manufacturing and engineering... Great. But also, to be fair, the wealth that made the Industrial Revolution possible was stolen wealth from other countries, some of whom were Catholic. 
you know, Catholic. Remember, Catholicism was just a colonial religion, right? That that like Spain, for example, foisted on South. It's not like South American indigenous people, like the Aztecs, Mayans, Incas. They weren't fucking pledging fealty to the Pope. Is it fealty? 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 You know the word. <laughs> they were doing that, right? It wasn't until Spain or Portugal came over with a whip and said, "Hey, you know those gods you got? Uh, we're gonna uh, give you a new god." But again, though, the Vatican was smart when they would, when they would uh, impose religion on the people. They would absorb some of the gods, the indigenous gods, into the new version of, the local version of Catholicism. Right? That's why Catholics have so many goddamn saints. A lot of times, these saints are assimilated gods from the indigenous religions. Like even the Irish. I mean, the Irish, the Celts, whatever the fuck they were before, the uh, Roman. Um, occupation who, who the you know they were pagans you know what I mean they were God knows what they were an indigenous you know they, they had their version of voodoo whatever you want Haiti the indigenous people in Haiti had their own um, religions that were brought over from West Africa that had but you know the Catholics came over colonized them thrust a little Catholicism on them and and um, but some of that shit was absorbed what is my point I'm getting in a little over my head I'm trying to say folks is um, Catholics are hardworking alcoholics, okay, to recap. And Protestants are lazy teetotalers. Teetotalers, that's what they are. They're lazy teetotalers, and Catholics are hardworking drunkards. Now, aren't generalizations so much fun? Hmm? Isn't it great that, no, I don't know. I'm just fucking, I, I, I'm just generalizing. The wine is getting to me, probably slurring my speech, you know, becoming more and more a caricature of Catholic hedonism. He's Catholic, doesn't even believe in God. They put the same shit on Jews, right? Say, oh, he's Jewish, but he, he says he doesn't even believe in God, so how could he be Jewish, right? Uh, Protestant work ethic. All you motherfuckers that, hey, there's a worker shortage right now, right? Apparently, people unemployment, just not fucking working. Everybody's hiring. There's a backlog of container uh, ships. Is that what they are? Container ships off the port in California. People aren't working to unload them. There's all this shit because everybody, who who's not working? The Protestants. The Protestants. Everybody working. They're suspiciously Catholic. Right? The ones we let in anyway, right? Because I guess uh, it's getting harder and harder for uh, these Catholics from Mexico and Haiti to, to get here, apparently. I don't know. I, I've been trying to tune the nonsense out, and I'm not sure it's nonsense, but Jesus Christ, I thought we voted, not we, you, voted for this Biden guy because... Because the other guy was so racist uh, with the border. And the, you got Biden fucking chasing motherfuckers down with horses. And and uh, putting people under uh, in, encampments, under freeways. And separating children from putting kids in cages and shit. I don't want to get on a pedestal here. But, um, but those are Catholics, by the way. They're trying to come here to work. And maybe 
you're right. These fuckers will work so hard for such little pay. Maybe it is a good idea to keep them out, right? We don't want them to drive down our labor. Fair enough. You know, I don't agree with that argument, but I can see that argument. You know what I mean? And uh, as long as that argument doesn't turn into racism, I can support that argument, even if I disagree with it, right? I can respect it. But these mother, but you got to admit these motherfuckers want to work, right? That's the problem. The problem is they want to. If they were coming over and being lazy, I mean that would suck in a way because well, they're just coming over here, going on the public dole and extracting our tax dollars. But you wouldn't really see it or notice it so much. But we have the exact opposite problem. Uh, these Catholic folks are coming in here and they're willing to do anything for very little pay, which makes them enticing to employers and makes um, citizens less enticing to employers. And these fuckers work hard enough that it's worth it for the employers to hire them. Right? Can we at least admit that, that the problem is that they work too hard? Cool it. You know, you just want to tell these guys, hey, cool it. Take, take it easy. Just fucking... Fake it. Just do a shitty job. Half-ass it like we do. Right? Demand way more than you're worth. And just be a complaining douchebag. So that you're un you're unhirable. Please do that. Because that would really help us make more money without doing more work. There. You fucking Catholics. You lazy Catholics coming here. Outworking us. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's the same thing in the, in Britain, man. I'm telling you, Polish guy. I, I don't know. This might have changed since the, the COVID lockdown, but four or five years ago, the the problem with in, in Britain or the so-called problem, a lot of British folks couldn't get jobs in like construction because Polish dudes were moving over and and under just like they were like the Britain Mexicans, you know. Now oh, these fuckers, these hard drinking Catholics and their poverty. <laughs> And their willingness to do shit for half the price. They are just outbidding us for jobs. These sons of bitches. Right? And uh, it, it's uh, now like in, in the Midwest, it's happening. Uh, first it was the Mexicans, now Sudanese, African folks who are also Catholic. You know, a lot of these French colonized or, uh, you know, there's whatever. But they're now... They're stealing the Mexicans' jobs, quote-unquote, stealing the Mexicans' jobs. You know what I mean? It's all a cycle, right? Italians went through this shit in the 1910s. The Irish went through it in the 1890s. Every new decade has a new group of Catholics <laughs> coming over and uh, scaring the shit out of you fucking small-souled Protestants. That's, that's what America is, man. That's what America is when you get down to it. It's just a bunch of Catholics moving in every once in a while, scaring the piss out of the land-owning Protestants. Right? Am I am I simplifying? Yes, yes I am. Um, let me let me simplify it even more and just 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 uh, end this pod right here, right now, because uh, I got nowhere to go from here. And you got shit to do, huh? Go watch some football. Cheer for your fantasy guys. Um, I'm one and two in my fantasy league. I'm gonna hope to to get to 500 after today, but it's not looking good. It's not looking good, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you guys have a good week, and I'll jabber at you 
some point next week. Till then, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Bye-bye.